0: Take your Bibles and turn to Revelation chapter 19. Revelation chapter 19. Once upon a time there was a charming prince and a peasant bride. A more intriguing romance could never have occurred. His attraction to her is baffling. He is a stately prince, she the common peasant. He was peerless, she was plain, not ugly, though sometimes she could be. And often she is. She tends to be sullen and sour and even cranky. Not the kind of soul you'd want to live with, or, nor would I. And yet, according to the prince, she is the soul that he can't live without. So he proposed to her on the dusty floor of her peasant cottage. He knelt, took her by the hand, and asked her to be his bride. Even the angels inclined an ear to hear her whisper, Yes, I'll return for you soon. He promised. I'll be waiting. She pledged. No one thought it odd that the prince would go away. After all, he is the son of a king and surely he had kingdom business to attend to what's odd is not his departure, but rather her behavior during his absence. She forgets that she's engaged. You'd think the wedding would be ever on her mind, but it's not. You'd think that this day would be on the tip of her tongue, but no. No, it's not. Some of her friends have never even heard that she's going to be married. Days pass, even weeks, and his return isn't even mentioned. While there have been times perished the thought that she was found or seen cavorting with the village men flirting, whispering in the bright of day. Dare wonder about her activities in the dark and the silence of night. Is she rebellious? Maybe, but mostly she is just forgetful. She just forgets that she's engaged. She forgets that she has a charming prince and she's pledged to him. That's no excuse, you say, why his return should be her every thought. How could a peasant forget a prince? How could a bride forget? Forget her groom. That's a good question. How could we? You see, this story of the prince and his peasant bride is not an ancient fable. Uh, rather, it's a tale about them. And according to Max Lucato, who, who penned this parable, it's really a portrayal of us. Are we not the bride of Christ? Have we not been set apart? Have we not been pledged to one husband Did God not say to us, I will make you my promised bride? We are engaged to our maker. We, the peasants, have heard the promise of the prince. He entered our village. He took our hand. He stole our hearts. And even the angels inclined to hear us whisper, yes. But I suppose the same angels are puzzled sometimes by our behavior. Because we don't always act like we're engaged. Days pass, sometimes even weeks. We don't even think about him. And heaven forbid there are people in our life, they don't even know that we have an engagement, that we have a bridegroom. What's wrong? Are we rebellious? Sometimes. But mostly, we're forgetful. We forget that we belong to the king. We're amnesiacs who get preoccupied with who we are and what we are doing, and we forget about the groom. And oftentimes, we even forget about the wedding. But the wedding is coming. We spoke about it last week. We're gonna read about it again today. One day, perhaps one day soon, the bridegroom is gonna come. He's gonna part the heavens, he's gonna descend from heaven, the Bible says, with a shout. With the trumpet call of God and the voice of the archangel. And the dead in Christ will rise first, and then we who are in Christ and who remain will be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. And the Bible says, then we will always be with the Lord. What a great day that's going to be if you're ready. Are you ready? If that day were to come today. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. Revelation 19. Why don't you stand with me, if you would, please, Revelation 19, and honor of the reading of God's Word. Verse 7, Revelation 19. Well, let's go back to verse 6. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters, and like loud peals of thunder, shouting, Hallelujah! For our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come. And his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of the saints. Then the angel said to me, Write, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, these are the true words of God. Father... These are the true words of God. There is a wedding celebration, a feast, a a super celebration, the ultimate party that's coming. And we don't know when, we just know it's going to come. And God, blessed are those who are invited, but maybe even more blessed are those who are ready when it comes. And so, Father, we invite you to come this morning and you show us out of your word what we need to do so we can be ready. We don't want to be rebellious. We don't want to be forgetful. On the contrary, we want to be faithful. And so God, I pray that you would come and speak into our lives today and this morning. And Father, I would pray especially uh, for those who, who do not yet know Christ. I know in the audience this morning there are some who never opened their heart to Jesus. They've never been born again. They've never consciously decided how I want to give my life to Christ. They come to church, or, or maybe they don't. They try to do the right things, or maybe they don't. But in their heart they know they need Christ, they need to be forgiven. And God, it's my prayer that today... Today, they would surrender their life to Jesus. And you'd get the glory and the honor. God, we ask these things now in Christ's precious and awesome name. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you for uh, standing with me to read God's word. Man, what a celebration that's going to be. If you were here last week, you know we talked about the ultimate super celebration. We kind of talked about the Super Bowl and. And, uh, you know, uh, they said over 100 million people watched it last week. I think it set a record. I think they said more people watched. It was the highest-rated Super Bowl in the history. And as I shared with you last week, I wasn't feeling it for the Steelers. And so if you were, I, I'm sorry. Uh, but, well, actually, I'm not. I'm kind of glad. Um, and and I, he's probably not in here, but I was kind of making fun of Harry Logan because uh, the other night he came. I, I'd been to a party, and I came by the youth Place for a little while, and Harry kind of came up here. I think he was looking for some Steeler fans, and he's having a hard time fighting it. So. But anyway, you know, it was great. It was kind of fun. If you like that kind of thing, and if you don't, it's okay. Uh, but it's just a chance for people to get together and party. But what we read about is going to be the party that, listen, everybody wants to be at this one. Whether they know it or not, whether they understand it or not, whether they're even sure it's going to happen or not, listen, this is the one you don't want to miss. You want to be ready for this party because it's going to be the ultimate. I don't know how long it's going to last. But being with Jesus is going to last for eternity. And you want to be there. You want to be a part of this. And so this morning I want to spend a few minutes speaking with you on the subject of how to be ready for Christ when he comes. Or how to be ready for the bridegroom when he comes to take his bride out now. Uh, if you were here last week, this is going to be a little bit repetitive. But if you were not here last week, I kind of want to catch you up because the uh, let me just tell you a little bit about the ancient wedding ceremony. It was unlike ours, but in the way, in a way, and kind of in a way, it was not unlike ours. But it's kind of different because what would happen is the bride and groom they would they would make this commitment. They would they would get engaged, you know, or be, be betrothed to one another, and which is kind of what happens in our culture in our generation. But what happens when someone gets in engaged in our culture in our generation then they decide okay here's when we're going to be married and they pick the church and they plan the you know or the building or whatever it's going to be they set the date and everything's just kind of orchestrated and organized around that but in the ancient culture that's really not how it worked what would happen is uh the bride would be at the groom's. there would be this betrothal time this engagement period and then he would leave and he would go to prepare the place and uh as we talked about last week if if dowry was required you know, he would go, and if he needed to, raise the dowry. And um, so, again, I, like I said last week, I'm kind of hoping that dowry thing comes back. So, uh, but we'll see how that works out. That's another deal. But, but so he would go and prepare. And when he got ready, he would come. Whether the bride knew it or not. Now, that wouldn't work good today, Right? But, in, but that's the way it was then. And so it's that, it's that picture that w- we need to understand that because Jesus is the bridegroom. And the Bible says he has gone to prepare a place for you. And John 14 says, if Jesus said, let your heart not be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I'll receive you unto myself so that where I am you may be also. I mean, Jesus said, listen, I'm going away. I'm preparing something. And when it gets ready, I'm coming back. That's going to happen. But here's the thing, and we didn't get into this in great detail last week, but if you notice there, look at verse 7 of our passage. It says, let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory for the wedding of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. There's a part that Jesus does. And there's a part that we do. There's a part that God does in our life, and there's a part that that we do from our life. In in Philippians chapter 2, I think it's 12 and 13, somewhere along in there, it says, uh, work out your own salvation, for it is God who is at work in you. And so there's this idea that that there is a responsibility. You know, people, you've heard the old saying, well, you know, you just got to let go and let God. Well, that's just not in, in the book. We have to trust God. We have to place our faith in God. We have to totally depend on God. But there is a part that you and I have. And that is to make ourselves ready. And so if you notice verse 7, it says the wedding of the lamb has come. Jesus, at this point in the deal, Jesus has finished his part. Now, what does that part look like? That's what we're going to talk about. Because, you know, last week we kind of talked about the celebration. We talked about how there's going to be jubilation and it's going to be a party and there's going to be a great deal of excitement. It's going to be this awesome thing. And then we talked about how at this celebration that Jesus is going to be coronated or crowned King of kings and Lord of lords. And it's just going to be obvious. And we're going to see him truly and completely as he really is. We talked about the worship and the adoration. and, and the You know, we, we talked last week about the loud... Singing and the you know, like, peals of thunder, and and John could not even describe how awesome and how big it's going to be. He was trying to give these analogies, Well, it's kind of like this. And so we talked about this big celebration and how you need to have a reservation and blessed are those who are invited. And we read that verse and and it's good to be invited, but it's better to accept the invitation and to make a reservation. But that's kind of getting ahead of ourselves because, you know, that's all going to happen once we get there. But before we get there, before there's this celebration, before there's a coronation and before there's this jubilation, uh, the Bible says that the bride made herself ready. And so what happens was in the analogy, when the groom got it all ready, he goes back to the home of the bride. He goes back to get her. And she's got to be ready. She don't know when he's coming. She's just, her and her attendants, they have to have their house in order. They have to have things together. They have to be ready. You know, totally unlike today. Today, man, we set that date out in the future. And and you know, ladies, what it's like. I mean, you you understand? You you plan and you think and you prepare. Well, the difference is you plan and you think and prepare. But you always, you just got to be ready. You just got to be ready. And the Bible says the church had made herself ready. And so let's talk about that this morning. Let me share with you a couple thoughts. And again, there's a part that Jesus has. And it says, for the wedding of the Lamb has come. Now, I know he's gone to heaven and he's preparing that place. But there's a part in your life and there's a part in my life that only Jesus can do. And let's talk about that. Turn back to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. I didn't forewarn you, but we're going to go there and read some verses. Um, great passage to read on the eve of... Uh, Valentine's Day, because in the context of the husband-wife relationship, we can see the picture of the greatest act of love that, was ever, that has ever occurred in history, and that's Jesus Christ. But let's begin, Ephesians 5, if you're there, let's pick up in verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Now, there there are two parts here. Jesus gave him the greatest act of love of all. You know, uh, Romans 5, 8 talks about how God demonstrated his love for us and that while we were yet sinners, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Greatest, that great act of love. And there were were two reasons. So if you're going to be ready for Jesus when he comes or if you're going to be ready for the bridegroom and ready to go to the celebration, then first of all, look at verse 26. Jesus came to make us holy. So you've got to be made holy you and I have to be made holy. We have to be um, made right with God. Now, when we think about holiness, obviously, when we think about being holy, we think about somebody that lives a good life. You know, you think about, uh, a lot of times when you think about holiness, you think about those people that are, they act holy, they're kind of holier than now. You know, we've, you've run into them, I've run into them, and, you know, and they, their life's perfect, and they're perfect, and if you don't believe it, ask them. You, you know, you've met some people like that. But when the scripture talks about being made holy, there's a little different idea there. And that The word holy in the original language could also be translated to consecrate. Now again, that's another word that's kind of hard for us to understand. But the idea when you consecrate something, it's kind of like you, you set it apart unto someone else. And so when the Bible says that we are made holy, When Jesus come to make us holy, it means that Jesus set us apart unto himself. And so that means that we belong to him. We are consecrated to him. We we are devoted to him. And and listen, listen. What happens is in your life, in my life, if we're going to be ready for Christ when he comes, if we're going to be ready for that moment when the trumpet sounds, if we're going to be ready to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air, then we need to be set apart Unto Jesus, set apart unto Jesus. Because what happens is, man, in life, it would be great if everything went right. I mean, wouldn't it be nice if if everything went right? Wouldn't it be nice if you could look at your life and say, man, I always did everything right. Anybody? Could you say, I've always, no. I mean, wouldn't it be, just if you could say, man, I've never made a bad decision. I've never made a bad choice. I mean, that would be so neat, but that doesn't happen. And so what happens is for most of us, somewhere down the line, we've made some decisions. Some of them were good. Some of them were not so good. And and, and and, and if, if you could just make a bad decision and go, man, I've learned, I'm not making another one and walk away. But here's what happens. We make a dumb decision and we go, okay, how do I get out of this? And so we make a dumber decision. And then we make another one. And before we know it, our life is this can of worms because we've made all, we've got, it just gets all messed up. You know, and, and I don't know if any of you fish, but if you get a bunch of worms all together, just, I mean, don't, you just got to get them one at a time. And I mean, there, I mean, it would be great. Wouldn't it be great if, if you could just like have an easy button, you know, the Staples commercial, remember that they just have the little red button and just, it's easy. And you push the button and fix everything. Well, that doesn't happen for you. And that doesn't happen for me. Because we made these choices and we made these decisions and our life gets all jumbled up. And what happens when our life gets all jumbled up? We get guilty. I mean, we are guilty. Because we made that dumb decision, and then we made a dumber one, and then maybe another one. And, and before we know it, we're our life is all upside down. And we're guilty before a holy God. And then for some of us, we're even we're even. Uh, it's not just that we're guilty. We even experience shame. I mean, there's just, uh, I don't know if this has happened to you, but there's some, there's some things I can look back in my life and go, man, I'm ashamed that I said that. Man, I'm ashamed that I did that, right? We've all got that. No, we don't want to admit it. You don't want to tell anybody that. In fact, some of you say, well, you know, I, I'm not, I don't feel guilty. I don't have any shame in my life. But here's the thing. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Whether you feel it or not. I, it, you know, my feelings are not the standard. The standard is the holy God. He is holy, holy, holy. And all of us have sinned and come short of his glory. And, and the Bible says, and because of that, listen, we need to be made holy. Because we're not. And so we need to be set apart unto Jesus. And so if, 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 you're going to, if you're going to be right with God, if you're going to be ready for the wedding, when, the wedding celebration when it comes, then first of all, you need, to be, you need to be made holy. And from a practical standpoint, that means that your life needs to be set apart unto Jesus. And so here's kind of the question, one of the questions I got for you. When you, when you examine your life this morning, when you examine your heart this morning, are you set apart unto Jesus? Not are you perfect, but are you set apart unto Jesus? Jesus came to make you holy, but that's not all. Look at verse 27. Uh, Ephesians 5 verse 27 says, not only did he come to make her holy, but also to present her to himself as a radiant church. Jesus come to present us to himself. Now, interestingly enough, the word to present means to place beside. The word present means to place beside. So Jesus came to make us holy, but he also came to, to make us his. He, it's an interesting picture. Because here's... Now, I, I've never done a wedding here, but here's kind of the way I've always officiated the weddings. What'll happen is, you know, usually uh, the groom and the best man and, like, the pastor will will come in, uh, you know, and we'll kind of stand down here at the front of the church. And then all the attendants will come in, and, you know, they'll play all the music and everything. And then the father of the bride will walk the bride down the aisle. You know, you, 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 ladies, you're getting this picture with me. And so the father walks the bride down the aisle. And what happens is... When the bride and the father gets here, the groom steps away from the best man and he steps over to the bride. And then when the father gives the bride away, he puts her hand in his hand and he places the bride beside the groom. Right? Well, the picture here is that Jesus... Died to place the bride that's you and me beside him, and so God the Father who made us and created us, you know loved us so much that he places us beside the groom, and so that that's the picture and here's the thing I want you to think about is that you and I, in spite of those Decisions we make, in spite of those mistakes that we made, in spite of the uh, the, the the sin that we have, we have captured God's eye. And because you and I have captured His eye, He loves us with this unconditional love. And because He loves us with this unconditional love, He wants to take us in places beside His Son, the Bridegroom. So. You need to understand that that you've captured God's heart. And God loves you with this everlasting love. And his greatest passion for you is to take you and make you holy and set you apart. And then to place you beside his son forever. 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 And see, when, when, when you've been set apart and when you've been placed beside of Jesus, then you're going to the celebration no matter when, no matter what, and no matter where. But the only way to be set apart and placed beside is you've, you've got to be cleansed by the blood of Jesus. you've got to be born again. There's got to be a time where you realize that that you've made a series of these choices. You know, we can call them bad decisions. We can call them bad choices. Or we can just call it sin, whatever you want to call it. But we've all got it. And there's got to be a time in your life where you repent of your sin. And you say, listen, God, I understand. I've sinned and come short of your glory. And I want to surrender my life to Jesus Christ. And so my question is, has that happened for you? Can you look to a point in your life and say, here's when I was born again? Well, because uh, this, I mean, I've talked to some of you and, and you say, well, you know, I, I, I'm trying to do the right thing and, you know, and I believe in God and, and I, you know, I try to do my kids right and all this stuff. And, and that's That's good. But Jesus said, unless a man's born again, he can't see the kingdom of God. I mean, you you saw this morning, I mean, you know, don't get mad at me, Chaz, but we had this conversation this week, and he said, Mike, I can't point. There was no time I can say, here's when I was saved. And so can I just ask you personally, when, when were you saved? I've always been a Christian. No, no, you had not unless your name's Christian. <laughs> and if your name's Christian, then when were you born again, okay? But, but, but it's, listen, it's, it's, listen it's a there's a start. There's got to be a start. You've got to be set apart. You, there's got to be a time where God sets you apart, and he takes you, and he places you beside Jesus. Because notice what our text says. It says there in verse 26. It's to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Listen, none of us are holy and blameless and stainless and radiant. And so we got to be washed and we got to be changed. So when were you changed? When's it happen for you? Because if it's not happened for you, my, my passion and my desire is that you would give your heart to Jesus Christ today. And then you could be cleansed and washed and radiant and holy and blameless. See, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things are passing away. New things are coming. So you've got to be set apart. You've got to be placed beside. And then go back to Revelation, because that's kinda, only Jesus can do that. Uh, the only thing we can do is just come to Jesus and say, Jesus, I surrender. Jesus, I repent. Jesus, I mean, all we can do is just come and, and place our faith in Jesus. Only he can set us apart. Only he can place us beside but then once you're set apart and placed beside, notice what happens back in Revelation 9, uh, 19, verse 7. says, let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory for the wedding of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Jesus does his part. And once he does his part, then you and I have a part. In Luke 18, 8, Jesus said, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith or faithfulness on the earth? And so most of us here this morning are already born again. Most of us here this morning, you can say, yeah, I was saved. And you can say, this is when it happened. Have you made yourself ready? I mean, here's, here's kind of a, a question. If Jesus comes Tuesday night, are you satisfied with how your life looks? I mean, if Jesus were to come Tuesday night and this wedding supper begins Tuesday night, would, would, would Jesus say, well, he's ready, she's ready? Or perhaps maybe if he were to look into the purity of your thought life or maybe the purity of your, the things you look at on the Internet or the things we listen to in our iPod or the things we watch when we go to the movies or when we sit at home. Is God pleased with the purity that's in your life? Or if, if God were to come to you and he were to look into our relationships, and he looked into the integrity of our relationships, the relationships with our wife or the relationships with our husband or the relationships with our parents or the relationships with our kids or with the people at work or the friends we have, is, is, there, is there enough integrity in your life? You say, man I'm, just, man, I'm just happy. Come on, Jesus, I'm ready. If God were to open your heart up and look at your attitude and what you think about people, if God were to listen to the conversations that we have with people, or maybe even better, if God were to listen to the conversations that we had about people, are you ready for Him to come? Because, see, here's the thing he, we don't know when He's coming. The Bible says it's like a thief, and it's going to be like a thief in the night. I don't know when the thief in the night is going to come. We're not going to be ready unless you're prepared. And so you need to, there was a lady in my last church, she was my secretary for a while, and she was so funny, Miss Shirley, bless her heart, but she's, you know, her thing, she said, now you ain't got time to get ready, you got to be ready, got to be ready. Can't get ready, got to be ready. And and she would, we'd always talk about it, she says, got to be Ready? See, so that's the thing. Are you ready? Because see, if you're not ready, what can happen is if we're not ready, then we might, we might get our hand caught in the cookie jar. And I don't know if it's ever happened to you. I don't know if you've ever had one of those things where you you were, just, you were just doing something and you were just like, man, I wish nobody would have saw that. I wish, you know. And, and I'll tell you this story. This happened a couple years ago, and it was it, it was funny, but it was just kind of weird. But my wife's cousin got married. That's not what was weird about. But my wife's cousin got married in November of two thousand eight. And we went to her wedding and she called me up and and she said, You know, Mike, I want you to be a part of my wedding and she said, you know, I said, Okay, what you want me to do? And she says, Your only job is to come preach the gospel. She says, I have friends that are not not Christians. I just want you to preach. You have 10 to 15 minutes. And so we went up to preach. Well, on Thursday night, we get up there. And ladies, you know how it is when you go to a wedding and it's kind of a family thing. And it's the big deal. You know, we know when the date's going to be and we've got to be ready. And so Elisa, needed, she needed another outfit to wear. And, and, and in all due respect, she probably needed another outfit uh, to wear. And so we load up in the car. Her mom and dad, Carly Ann, Bailey's with somebody else, I think. And so we go off to Belk Lindsey or Belk's, which is the local store there in Morganton. And her mom and dad keeps Carly Ann in the car. That's important. So hold on to that. And then we go in and we start looking around at all these things. And least starts trying on clothes. And she's trying on a dress. And, and then there was one dress that she really liked. And she tried it on, but we had the wrong side. But the, the right size was on a mannequin. And so we're looking around, kind of waiting for somebody to come by and, and uh, you know. And so finally, she's trying on some different things and looks some different things. And finally, here comes, you know, I've never took the clothes off a mannequin before. And so this lady from Belts comes by and I says, uh, ma'am, I says, you know, I've, uh, my wife's trying on this. She really wants to try on this dress and this is her size. Um, can, you know, I've never undressed a mannequin. Can you help? And she says, Well, I've never undressed a mannequin either. I'm thinking, Dude, you work here. You're supposed to, somebody has to do this. But she says, But there's a lady down there in that department. She can help you. And so Elisa's looking and she's trying on different things. And so I'm just kind of, Well, I go down there and I don't know if she's on Potty break. I don't know what the deal is, but she's nowhere to be found. And so Elisa's kind of exhausted her resources. So she's coming out from changing and she's kind of over there and I just holler out. Oh, by the way, all this time there's this older couple you know about retirement age uh they're just kind of over in the next section they're just kind of wandering around not really watching but they're kind of watching you know the lady has blonde curly hair and you know everything so so they're kind of over there and and so I, lisa comes out and i says lisa you want to try the one on the mannequin and so we go and so there's no barrier so we go over and we start undressing this mannequin and I've never done that. I've never done it again. But anyway, so we're working on this thing. You know how this is—long sleeve sweater-like dress. You know, just nothing's easy. And the arm comes off. <laughs> and so we get this thing off, and you know, I get the arm back on, and she goes and tries on the dress. Doesn't fit. No, uh, you know. Darn the luck, you know. So we get ready to go, and so we're putting this mannequin, this clothes back on the mannequin, and, you know, that arm comes off again, and then I dropped it. And I'm just thinking, man, I just hope Jesus doesn't come with me. Because, you know, because I was going to talk about the wedding supper of the Lamb at the wedding, and, you know, and, and so I'm just, and so anyway, so we get it all together, and we go on, and we get out, and we, go out and we get out to the car, and Elise's mom says, well, did y'all see David orders and his wife? David Orders used to be one of the associate pastors at Elisa's home church. And I said, well, I don't know if we saw them or not. What do they look like? And he said, well, you know, he's gray-headed and she has blonde, curly hair. And so this pastor, former pastor and his wife's over there watching us undress the mannequin and drop the arm and all this stuff. And so I'm just, you know, and I'm just thinking about this story and I think about how it's kind, sometimes it's just weird when somebody catches us doing something we wish they didn't see, right? You've been there. I mean, maybe you've not undressed a mannequin, but you, you know. But imagine what it would be like if Jesus were to come and call us away and we weren't ready and we had something in our life or something in our hand that we didn't really want him to know about and we really didn't want him to see. I mean, he knows, he sees. But how sad would it be when the bridegroom comes for the bride not to be ready? Y'all, we need to be ready. You and I need to be ready. We just do. So you, you need to be faithful right now You need to be set apart right now. You you need to be placed beside Jesus right now. He might come tonight. He might not come for a hundred years. But we might go tonight. And we ought to be ready. And the only way you can be ready is you got to give your heart to Jesus. You got to be set apart. And then... And then, once you give your heart to Jesus, you need to be spending your life doing what he's called us to do. And so this morning, I want you to just think about it. I, I want you to just examine your own heart. And I want you to examine your own life. And I just want to ask you, have you been set apart and made holy? Can you point to a time and say, this is when Jesus changed my life? Yes or no? Yes or no? And if you could say, yes, Jesus changed my life. Here's when it happened. Here's my other question. What is there in your life? Or is there anything in your life that you would say, man, I sure wouldn't want Jesus to see this when he comes. I sure wouldn't want Jesus to know about this when he comes. Because he's coming soon. Or we may go soon. And we need to be ready. And so what do you need to do this morning so you can be ready? What do you need to do? Would you bow your heads? Close your eyes for just a moment. How about you? Have you been born again? Do you know that you know that you know that Jesus lives in your heart? That's that's yes or no. And if you don't know, would you be willing this morning to give your heart to Jesus Christ? Would you be willing this morning to pray and invite Christ to come live in your heart? Would you be willing to to pray that prayer and make that commitment? See, the Bible says in in Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. So friend, based on what the scripture says this morning, if you'll surrender your life to Jesus as Lord, he'll set you apart. God will place you beside him and you'll spend eternity in heaven with Jesus. So my question, are you willing to surrender to Jesus as Lord this morning? And if your answer is yes, I'm going to ask you to say this to him. You can say it in your heart, you can say it out loud, that doesn't matter. But would you be willing to say, Lord Jesus, I realize that I've sinned, I've come short of your glory, and so this morning I confess you as Lord, I repent of my sin, I believe that you died on the cross for my sin, and so I open my heart to you, Jesus, and I give you my life. And I just invite you to set me apart and place me beside you for eternity. Thank you, Jesus, for giving yourself up for me to make me holy. Thank you for saving me. Friend, the Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord, whoever surrenders to Jesus as Lord can be saved. And I hope this morning, if you've not, that you, you prayed that prayer of faith. Surrendered your life to Christ. But for a number of you, you've already made that commitment. But there, there's probably some things in your life, not that you want anyone to know about, but you need to deal with so you'll be found faithful. And so my question to you is, are you willing this morning to repent and say, God, here's what's in my heart. I, I, I want to turn away cleanse me and wash me. Maybe it's a habit. Maybe it's a hang-up. Maybe it's a heartache. But you need to turn from it. And my prayer is, God, that even in my heart, that you'd point out whatever sin there is. So I can be faithful when you come. Father, as we have this time of commitment this morning, Lord, I, I don't know anybody's heart. I just know that more than anything else, we've captured your heart and you've given your son for us. And you want us to be saved and you want us to be prepared and you want us to be ready. And so God, I pray that you'd have your way in every person's life. And when you do, we'll give you the glory and the honor for it all. For it's in Jesus' name.